Welcome, one and all, to the Nerdist Podcast number 638. Uh, Talking Dead is back. We're back at our regular time. Uh, we got bumped by an hour for the premiere of Better Call Saul, which uh, is an amazing show, and you should absolutely watch it if you enjoy really good things uh, made by really nice people. Uh, Better Call Saul, Walking Dead, uh, Talking Dead at its normal time, At Midnight... Uh, fun, comfortable tour. Second show is being added in Chicago and then uh, in a few other cities. Go to funcomfortabletour.com. For the Nerdist Community Corkboard today, I would like to promote my pals, the Punch Brothers, which is an amazing uh, bluegrassy kind of a band, but their new album is called Phosphorescent Blues, and it is available on uh, iTunes and Google Play. You can go to punchbrothers.com to find that out. I've been listening to it uh, all weekend, and it is start to finish, a phenomenal album. So go check out uh, Support the Punch Brothers. And uh, this episode is Scott Ackerman, who is promoting the new season of Comedy Bang Bang, Friday nights at 11 p.m. on IFC. And, of course, also the Comedy Bang Bang podcast, which is over on Earwolf, which also produces a lot of amazing podcasts. And uh, Scott is really not only a fine comedy writer and presenter, but also uh, quite the entrepreneur as well. Uh, I've known Scott forever, uh, but every time I sit down and talk to Scott, I feel like I find out things about him that I didn't know. So this is a, this is a good lesson. Uh, sit your friends down and interrogate them, <laughs> because you will always learn something else. But uh, Scott's a fantastic dude, and eh, maybe a little Mr. Show talk in there as well on the podcast, in addition to Bang Bang. And so, uh, and now I present to you the Nerdist Podcast number 638, Scott Ackerman Returns. Now entering Nerdist.com. Scott, welcome to a podcast. What is this? Thing? Well, it's sort of like a radio show. show. Well, that's a microphone. <laughs> that's a microphone. Uh, you don't have slack. enough. You don't slack. Oh yeah. Give all the slack in the world. Get open here. All right, great. Now you could now you could do this from wherever you wanted. Like you could do uh-huh. well, not wherever, just anywhere within like a within, foot or two. Yeah. Okay. Really, just right there. Okay. I take it all back. Please don't move. Just stay. just stay. Have we started? Stay where we are. Have we started? Is this that it? We- yeah. That was it. That was the whole podcast. Thank you for being <laughs> Thank here. Thank you. All right. Someone <laughs> talked about doing a supercut of everyone saying, uh, "Did we start or have we started?" I know. Which I feel I like I should support. prep the guests better and go. Yes, you can swear on the podcast. <laughs> right. It just sort of starts. Um, this notebook is Chewbacca. Like, there's so many things that always. Is there any grab- sort of mechanism uh, that you've ever thought of doing? Maybe where you would say, uh, Scott Ackerman, welcome to the Nerdist Podcast. I uh, I really do want to know. Have we started? <laughs> we know why I don't do that. We have indeed. The reason that I that I generally don't do that is because I don't want like for people who are used to being interviewed it automatically puts them in interview mode like oh uh, now i'm starting and well, it, if you're just talking to someone mm-hmm. they're sort of relaxed into it and they don't it, it's they're, they're not defensive right away i guess i would i would say maybe something could happen other than you just walking in the room and walking right <laughs> up to the microphone <laughs> <laughs> you run your podcast how you want. <laughs> All right. This has led to a general sense of confusion. <laughs> but hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, 
Uh, thanks for yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I, it's been a while since I've been on At least a couple this. Of years, yeah, and and it was just you when when I did it. So and Jonah ain't here. Yeah. So let's talk shit. I don't know where Jonah is. Uh, he had a meeting that ran later than he thought. Oh, okay. Classic Jonah. Mm-hmm. So he slept in. Uh, <laughs> That's just mean. No, oh, it guys. is mean. Actually, Jonah's very busy these days. He's he actually is. working on yep. stuff. Yep. What are you working on, Scott Ackerman? Oh, who cares? You well, <laughs> uh, well that sort of defeats the. <laughs> you don't want me in interview mode, I thought. <laughs> I think maybe I do life. want. Maybe I do want you in interview oh, mode. Okay. <laughs> you get enough of me in not interview mode. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, we get it. Uh, how many episodes of? Bang Bang have you done at this point? Not the TV show, but the podcast. Oh, the podcast? Uh, we're in the 330s, I feel, of just the regular episodes. And then wow. I did about... I've probably done 40 live ones that we've sold through the store or so. And then, yeah, about 20 YouTube podcasts and eight analyzed fishes, maybe. So that's the entirety of my output. <laughs> my discography. <laughs> And what's the and so you're it's just it's one you never went you never went beyond once a week. I I do occasional bonus episodes where I'll do maybe one a month extra one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you do you, that just by virtue of like oh hey these dudes can do it and let's might as well record? Yeah, it. I think it's a lot like I think you were telling me once, Chris, that that it's just you do so many because you have so many cool people you want to you know interview that come to you and go hey I'd like to do one myself included <laughs> so so you just you know don't want to turn them down right yeah so. exactly it's it and and also because the show has a couple of different um sides to it it's you know there's the ones of just me and matt and jonah and then right. there's ones with guests and hostfuls and there's hostfuls and there's right. guested ones and then yeah and because last now, six months there's a lot of uh, solo hardwicks yeah oh, wow. matt, matt was tied up with no guest no guests, just <laughs> me. Amazing. Just you, just Bill Burnett. In the corner, just Bill yeah. Burnett, Monday morning quarterbacking with Chris Hardwick. <laughs> the burn. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. I just i I do occasional bonus ones. I think because yeah, the guests are there, and um, yeah, I like sometimes. Sometimes I feel like if. If one comes out on Monday that I'm so-so on, sometimes I'll throw a bonus one up just to be like, hey, it's not – a week hasn't gone by just because, yeah. you know, without you getting a good one or something. I don't know. It's sort of fun. I mean, I I feel like Bang Bang is kind of at the opposite end of how our show works, which is right. very – I mean, like, it's – because there are parts of it that are pr- sort of pretend, or there are parts of it where you're riffing about about, it's, yeah. but it's very. Uh, well, it's it's well, like what you guys do in the probably the first segment of it, where it's just riffing with someone. Right. But it's not. I the I would say the difference for me is I stopped doing serious interviews eighty percent of the time. So anytime I'm really asking someone about their career, it's to lead to doing a bit. I right. don't really care. Although there is, you know, certain. A certain amount of information that people can get out about what they're doing and, and their show that's coming up that week or whatever, but I'm usually just not very interested. In Which it. is great because, like you know, there's a million places where they can hear people talk about right. all their stuff. But no. although it'd be so much easier than having <laughs> than having to do what I yeah yeah, yeah. Wish, it's a lot easier. No, but I mean, I I sometimes look at another you know podcast where people 
can just lay out and let a guest go on for a really long time and just be like, oh, man, I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a conscious choice. Some people go, God, he won't show up. Shut up. Uh-huh. You know, he won't show up, too. <laughs> but it, it is a conscious choice to be like, you know, to give people something different than just an interview you know i completely admire it because if if i had even tried your way for a week afterwards i'm like i have to talk to people i can't right. i can't keep this output up like i can't <laughs> right my yeah. brain and now you're you are doing a lot of different things in addition to essentially yeah, sh- jerking it jerking it and <laughs> nice, bro Nice show running. I mean, like the company yeah. Bang TV show and the production company and the production yeah. company, and then and then mid roll that we Which, are. Yeah, you guys now are we on. A, That's why I'm so stoked yes. to have you guys on. I don't have a lot to do with that side of the company, thankfully. I don't think anyone <laughs> wants my help with that. But um, yeah, it's I mean, more money. Just make more. Just make some money, guys. More printed. Can you print it? Um, yeah, it's good. I mean, I'm I'm having a good time doing the show. We're doing a ton of episodes, and I'm I'm having a really good time doing the production company, which has been really awesome. Just like finding. Um, great writers or great comedians who you know want to get a show going and don't really know how to do it and uh, you know helping them and guiding them through that and stuff I really enjoy doing that I've always been like the bossy one at <laughs> at like Mr. Show I was always the one saying well here's what I think you know I think Bill Odenkirk talks about it in the book of like the minute I got there I wouldn't shut up telling people what I thought you know, <laughs> and how they should do things you know but um, you know I've always liked that so it's it's fun for me to to be able to you know get people like our friends and go hey let's do a show and figure it out and sell it and it's yeah been, yeah it's been really awesome but do you feel uh <laughs> does the way that you do bang bang ever seem like i can't do this anymore it's too much fucking work i mean like the show is so uh, you know for a show that when you watch it it's just it's pretty seamless but it's, yeah it's so meticulously crafted yeah the tv show is really tough it's really difficult it it i think people would be surprised i mean i hear criticisms of people saying you know what do they just turn on five cameras and they're done in a half hour it's, no, and no, they don't no. they don't put you know they pay five five dollars for it you know and it's like it's really difficult i'm there you know they're 12 hour days but because you go overtime we had one a couple weeks ago that was um three 15 hour days in a row um Gee. And just, it's just so hard to do. So I look at that show and I go, at a certain point, there's going to be a time when I physically can't do it any longer. Right. You know, it just gets harder and harder. Me standing up out of the chair gets harder and harder. (laughs) (laughs) And then the stuff we write is, you know, they're always, the crew has a saying of like, well, you wrote it because it's like me complaining about... I never think about what I have to do when we're writing the show. Um, I always just approve the scripts and go, yeah, that'll be fun. That's a yeah. funny idea. And then I get on the set and I have to be soaking wet for a whole episode with <laughs> dirty mud water. Or the worst was recently I had to do push-ups um, in a scene and didn't really think about, oh, you can only do about eight or ten at a time and how many takes can you really do and I, and on the fourth take I was like I literally can't do this anymore <laughs> and they were just like you wrote it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's it's tough I mean you know you know how TV is it's just like eight million times harder than a podcast well it, yeah because there's a there's a crew and there's a lot of people and you're on a schedule mm-hmm. and you can't go over and everyone's kind of got to be focused and paying attention yeah. and and the nature of the show is 
it's structured but riffy at the same time. I mean, like when yeah. we did the, um, it was really fun to do when, when Andy Daly came on, mm-hmm. and then we we riffed for probably like twenty five minutes. Yeah, we'll do these long twenty five minute takes. And okay. Your your interview is the same way. I think we did like probably a twenty five minute riff take. That we blend in and out of, but the then scripts. at the end of it, it's like, but then we kind of land on this point, and it's got to like it ultimately has to service, yeah, whatever the overall tone of the show is going to be. The toughest is, you know, I, I'm not just a guy. I, I kind of would prefer a job where I'm just the guy who is being told what to do, and like, is, is there someone is saying, hey, we need one more more take of that, or. Um, you know, you'll need to do another interview and I just go, okay, great. And we do it. Um, I'm unfortunately the guy who has to be there telling everyone that we're going to do another interview or, you know, if which is hard to put your brain into two different, yeah. especially if you're like, oh, well, I'm, I have to be, I have to, on the performance level, I have to do this and make sure this, but it's very, it's kind of a, it's tricky to step out and look at everything in the big picture mm-hmm. outside of what just what you're doing. I'm constantly editing in my head. I'm editing the show while I'm having conversations. Um, I'll be saying, okay, we'll need another take of that because, uh, you know, we were t- we need it shorter or, you know, I'm, I'm never as in the moment as I possibly could be if I was just not producing it, if that right. makes sense. Yeah. And yeah. do you find, but I guess this is just in terms of like who you put on the show. Is anyone ever, when they get there, like, what is this? How is this working? What are we doing? <laughs> Only you. I mean, no. <laughs> so strange you're quoting yourself right now in the exact voice you use. Yeah. I still don't understand. What were we doing? The, How did we do that, The Chris Hardwick real-life voice. What is that? <laughs> it's interesting. You're one of the few people who, you know, has interviewed me that has actually gone through the process and done a show. Yeah. You know, you were the star of one of the shows. What Was it... How did it turn out, uh, you know... How was the finished product as opposed to the experience for you? Were you surprised how it turned it out? It was or great. Or? I mean, did you even watch? I did watch the show, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I thought it turned out great. And mm-hmm. I fucking loved We got off on this riff with Andy Daly about how Marion Ross, who played Mrs. C yes. on Happy Days, was... <laughs> That it, I guess you could take a tour of the you the could take a tour of the Cunningham and house and she would fuck you in the that was the tour was two hundred and fifty I think <laughs> and then she would take you up t- upstairs and bone you for yeah, yeah. an extra ten and I think I was like so you're saying Mrs C will have sex she's like she'll fuck your lights out or however and and, and then and then we got off on a riff about how you know could you separate it and just do. <laughs> The sex part and not have to pay for the tour, and but he, this was all housed in the in the idea that he was running for the position of honorary mayor of Hollywood. Yeah, Chip Gardner, and uh, and so the the sort of riff that I fell into with him that was really fun for me was I kept asking him like, "Well, what changes are you going to make?" And he was like, "Again, right? I I, I have no I have hold no power." There's and some no- of that made it in, right? Yeah, because I know little- not all of it did. I think some of it is going to be on the DVD. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just fun. That's the reason to do it improv to me is because a lot of uh, previous fake talk shows like Fernwood Tonight or Knowing Me, Knowing You with Alan Partridge, they uh, from me watching it, I think they're all scripted. Um, and very tightly scripted, and there's not a lot of improv. Um, whereas I think for me, it's just the spark of improving it and having you throw in stuff like that, and then it's really gold and it makes the final cut. That's that to me is the reason to do it as improv. Well, it's the the, the show really is it's a hybridized television show because there are definitely there were lines to learn in terms of yeah. you know, like when it was like 
no, Scott, you're on my show. Like right. all of that and hitting those points or the, the beats of, uh, you know, I would rather blah, blah, blah than blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, which was great. Yeah, uh, and, so funny. So it's, it, is, it is sort of a hybridized thing. It's like, oh, I got to learn this. But then we'll sit down and riff for 25 minutes about actual real stuff and then just see what comes out of that. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a lot to ask someone, isn't it? <laughs> I'm realizing now that maybe it's... <laughs> no, but it's, it's fun. It's, it's, re- it's really fun. But yeah. it, also makes me, um, it also makes me think that, uh, that working, on a, uh, working on a show that had an, uh, an acting element in it that I, I would like because it takes so long to mm-hmm. get through that, and I'm so impatient. I'm like, I just want to be like, turn those cameras on. Let's just shoot those. Let's get just this shoot done. It. Yeah, you know, let's like, do it and let's do it live. I mean, tape. At, at, minute, at, at midnight is like you know 45 minutes. Yeah, I, I mean of the actual taping itself. Yeah, exactly. And most of that is just like taken up by stuff you're cutting out. Right. You know, you're not doing a lot of retakes and stuff. like no, that. No, no. Yeah. There's not. There's not retakes, and there's not. You know, like we do little pickups here and yeah. there, but it, but ultimately it's just like, bam. We we you know we. Sh- it gets prepared the morning of we shoot it it's done and then the next yeah. day it's a whole new thing well it's interesting because it that's the difference between single camera shows and multi-camera shows and um there's something of that spark uh, where an audience is laughing at something that people really respond to in a multi-camera show um but we try to incorporate that spark in a single camera show so you know what i mean yeah. it's like that spark of like hey we're reacting off of the unexpected, which is kind of what you get when you're reacting to an audience in a single camera show. We try to put that in, or in a multi-camera show, we try to put that in our show. So it's a strange, almost like a hybrid of performance style, yeah. in a way, if that makes sense. Do you, do you get do, do people still, do you ever get tweets from people that are like, this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's doing? Like, that they buy the character of you on the show as a real guy? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's interesting because the character that I kind of landed on. It's a little bit different from the first season to the second season, but um, while we were doing the second season, I was editing it and I got to see what was working and what wasn't uh, while we were shooting. That was what doing twice as many afforded me. (laughs) And I got to really see what I should be doing performance wise, which was basically talk faster and be use my hands more and be more animated. (laughs) Um, And and because I was doing all these kind of naturalistic takes and I said, oh, none of that is working at all. I need to talk very fast. I need to talk very big and, you know, move my hands a lot. So I, I started to get into that, and it's basically just taking the, the parts of me that are really annoying and exaggerating them. <laughs> um, so, but, but what's weird about that is, you know, you get a lot of people saying, like, I find the host annoying, which is like, well, I'm trying to be, if that's any solace so, to you. score? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's, you know, you try not to really pay attention to the people who say they don't like it because I think in comedy you're, you're aiming for specificity. Um, and if you, you know, I, I think the most successful comedy comes from aiming towards a niche audience. Every once in a while that will break out into a bigger audience, something like Borat or... Um, you know Jim Carrey's performances in Ace Ventura. Who who could have saw that coming? That that yeah. weird performance yeah. would have broken out. You know, but I think you're aiming for just like let me make the people who will really get this laugh, mm-hmm. and if they love it, you know, forget the other eighty percent of the people who are like that's dumb. Right. You know? Well, it's I mean it's it's I think it's now it's pretty 
common to not try to aim for 80%, the 80%, because people have realized, like, oh, yeah, the art, audiences aren't really like that anymore. Yeah. There's too many choices. And there's well, you'd that. rather have 20% love it than 100% really be okay it with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the thing. Is that's, why it's, that's why you don't want to compromise when you're making stuff and why IFC has been really nice to listen to me when I say, oh, let's not change that because it's really specific, or where they say, will everyone get that? And I go, I don't care. And they go, okay. Right. You know, because you want the, that 20% of the people to be like in love with it and go, this is really speaking to me. And yeah, it's, it's kind of a bummer when you see another show who is just as specific, um, but for whatever reason, be it, on, be it they're on a bigger network or, you know, something about their point of view is more appealing to a lot of people at that particular time in the cultural zeitgeist to see that break out and to see them on magazine covers and right. you know all that kind of stuff while you're still doing a show <laughs> that's like <laughs> no one is watching but you know it's it's the 20 that 20% of people love it love it love it love it and you know it kind of makes up for that right well i think a lot of it also is that you know this isn't if this isn't like the last thing you know what i mean like you always have to remember like oh, well, this is, hopefully this isn't I the last not. thing that i work on <laughs> You know, because I think everyone's always, you know, like on our show too, we're, we're always like, wow. Because I always believe, you know, for every person that watches your show or watch, or comes to see your stand-up or whatever, or listens to the podcast, there's, you know, five more people that would have, if for whatever reason, if they were if aware they'd heard of it, about or it if they'd or, heard about yeah. it. Yeah. So a lot of it really is. You're hoping that they hear about it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why you do so much, I think, press or... You know, the, the the press part of it is another job, it feels like, you know, and, and hanging out with Zach um, Galifianakis is it really opened my eyes to that. Um, he doesn't do a lot of it and he shuts it down. But but you, you kind of see that world and especially some of the people who have come through doing Between Two Ferns, um, you notice how much of a job it is to open something or to put out a film or to put out yeah. a TV show or something. And it really is like a, a full time thing. Um, and that's the reason you do it is not because it's like, I want to be more famous. I want everyone to know who I am, which would be a nightmare. It's just, you want to, you want those other four people or other five people to know about the show and to go, what is this? And, and watch it. You know, I mean, it's, it's very frustrating to put out a show that, you know, people would love if they would only see it. Right. You know, and, and thankfully the longer it's on. Now I'm hearing from a ton of people who are catching up with it on Netflix or wherever, um, you know, and and that's only because it's been on for a long time. Um, I think, you know, if it had been canceled after the first season or the second season, people would have been just kind of not ever, you know, not ever checked out this weird little thing that was on for one year. The fact that it's long running makes people it, it's almost like a vote of confidence people can turn it on and go oh that thing that's been on for a while right. is still on it's probably yeah. good right which is ultimately what happened with a show like breaking bad mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like not yeah. that many people watch in the beginning and well, then six episodes right at the beginning i mean that was that's not the biggest vote of confidence for me i think that's probably why i didn't watch it the, walking when dead it first was only six too yeah, it was just budgetary. They were just like, well, let's try this crazy idea right. for six episodes. But, you know, allowing people to because I feel like particularly with the well, with the exception of a few shows, 
everyone's always catching up. I feel like I am constantly trying to catch oh, yeah. up. Oh Black God, Mirror. I just heard Black, about Black, Black Mirror. Mirror. Yes, and yes, now yes. it's leaving Netflix. Yeah, what do I, I do? Oh, fuck. <laughs> Wait, when is it leaving Netflix? I'm a couple January of January 31st, supposedly. God damn it. Okay, I can watch if, the last Unless they before then. figure out a deal. Yeah, and so I feel like I'm constantly, you know, I'm constantly behind and people feel like they're constantly behind. So yeah. it is because their attention is pulled in so many different directions and not just from like networks, but just because of... You know, phones and your family. Oh, I have to, they're, they're sending <laughs> me this. Phones like, and your family. Phones and your family. <laughs> the Christmas priorities. I just mean like like people in your life who are sending you stuff that is taking your attention. It's yeah. like, they, like they're almost programmers in a way. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like everyone has the ability to make and share content. And so you're... There's a certain thing about... Going, over here, over here. There's a certain thing about Breaking Bad or kind of a movie that's only going to be out for a little while where it becomes part of the cultural conversation where... That's that's where it really hits, where Breaking Bad really hit it was, oh, now everyone's talking about this, and if I don't watch it now... I am not going to be able to talk about it, right? You know, um, and then you look, and then you look dumb because yeah. people don't. I, you know, I still look dumb because I didn't watch The Wire. People are like, "What? Right. How could you not?" Like, I know, I know, I know. I'm just right. I'm behind on so many other things. Yeah, something that's that's been off the air for a while like that. It's like, oh, I'll catch up to it at some point. Right. No, it's not like every yeah. morning after it airs, you know, people are going, "Did you see The Wire? Oh my god, that was crazy." But you not a, that that show was all that crazy. You made an interesting point though about, um, hey, it's not, <laughs> it's not. It's not because, oh, I'm trying to be more famous and I'm trying to – but there is a thing. There is this sort of delicate balance with, well, it, it's not about being famous, but it is about like the more aware people are of your thing, the more you get to do that thing and the yeah. more control you have over the choices that you get moving on as opposed to just like That's having the, to – you know The bummer of fame and the business we're in. I'm not saying that I'm famous and <laughs> I'm not but – uh, but having seen it is unless you are famous, you can't do certain things in this business that you've always wanted to do. But being famous is terrible <laughs> and makes people hate you right. um, and makes and, and gives people carte blanche, it seems like, to try to tear you down. So if only there was a way to do everything you wanted to do in this business without anyone knowing who you were, you know, and that's, that's kind of, if you're just a writer, that's great. You know, I've always wanted to write a movie or I've always wanted to direct a movie. There are plenty of people who are non celebrity directors, but, uh, and there are plenty of actors who just, you know, go home and retreat back to their home and don't go out to parties and aren't photographed and all that stuff. But there is a reason to try to get photographed and to go to those parties and stuff. And that is, Unfortunately, to try to get more well-known so that an entity, a corporate entity, can give you money and trust you with money um, and say, this person has a following and this person is well-known and so let's give him money and let's give his show money. You know, it's, it's a... But you do have... I mean, it is... You know, you're not a... I mean, you're not just a performer. Like, you do have a, a corporate entity. Like, you, mm -hmm. you have sort of... You know, like a nest egg of a thing that you've that you've built. You know, yeah. But I mean, I, I think at the the dollar amounts that we're talking about of just to do a TV show, for instance, you know, to have a corporate entity yeah. decide to to you know, I think our budget for this season of the show is in the oh boy, let me think, ten million dollars or something to mm -hmm. have to have a network yeah. say, hey, let's give this guy and trust this guy with ten million dollars and not bug him about right. it. You know, is is I really had to prove 
a bunch of different things to even get sure. the first season. You know, I had to prove, I had to give numbers of my show, my podcast, mm-hmm. I had to, you know, listening numbers. I had to, uh, and that's with like almost everything you do. I think I have this book deal, with, which I'll never write, it seems like, but <laughs> I had to give them, you know, uh, listenership of the podcast. I had to give them viewership of the TV show. Yeah. And, and it's unfortunate that to get these, it used to, it seems like show business, didn't it seem like, um, if someone was funny, they just were like, hey, let's give this hilarious dude a game show. Well, or... yes, but y- there were um, th- there were only a couple of entities who were pointing at people and yeah. going, hey, this guy. And so the opportunity the opportunities for people and like the, the wide berth of performers was n- very narrow because yeah. you had to be in the right place at the right time and get seen by the right person. But now... Because the there's way more people giving people money, which is great. Well, there's way more but, there's way more ways for people to be seen yeah. in order to get the attention to it. Sort of, but it also seems like there aren't a lot of times that just someone out of the blue gets a TV show. I mean, I think my TV show was a little bit like that, where um, no one was clamoring for me to have a TV show. <laughs> I did have the podcast. That was the one thing where the network could kind of go, well, he has a following from the podcast, right? You know. Um, but yeah, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of times where you're like, what, this guy got a show? Who is he? Right. It seems like everyone wants to cast someone who either used to have fame, currently has fame or has some sort of following from yeah, it. Yeah. Because you know? it's all, it's all again, I mean, again, it's all the, it's all, everything's run by marketers now. And it's yeah. like, oh, I can market this person in the Midwest because they have this and this and this. And like, it's not, you know, the, a lot of creative decisions are creative after they are ad sales. <laughs> a li- there is literally a formula that they put when they're making movies of the star, the director, um, and the writer, and how much money they've made in previous movies. And there's a formula and a certain number that they have to hit in order to justify a, a budget. And it's just, an, it's kind of infuriating. I work for a lot of different film companies. And um, one executive at one of them told me point blank, she said, it's not fun to work here anymore because the marketers make all the decisions. She goes, we don't make any decision. We can champion something and go, hey, I love this. But if it doesn't fit into the formula, then it's not going to get made. Wow. So we, our short. job is now find projects that will fit into that formula that will guarantee supposedly – uh, a high box office return, which of course it doesn't. <laughs> right, but but then again, everyone's sort of exonerated because they can go. The, hey, you know the formula. Yeah. You see, all here we did the math. Mm-hmm. You know, audiences can be unpredictable, and so then right. they don't. You know, then they don't have. They don't. No one. Yeah, really there, there's takes no culpability. The yeah, yeah. So instead of you know, but but then you. The funny part about that is that. You get the most wildly original stuff when people aren't doing that. It's yeah. like, oh, you get Breaking Bad because someone was like, oh, this is such an interesting idea yeah. that didn't run through a formula, you know, or you get your show or you get – I mean, it's, it's – Well, not- there, there's these maverick executives out there who are like willing to put their necks on the line to a certain point. I mean, Dan Pasternak certainly did that for me for my show of just coming to the network and saying, this guy's really funny. I've believed in him ever since we worked together on a TV show back in the early 2000s. Um, I, I thought he was a really funny performer just doing these little bit parts on that show. And I have always said he should perform more and um, listen to his podcast and got everyone at the network to listen to the podcast. And they all became fans of it and would listen to it every week and just really said, we should give this guy a shot. And then they came to me and 
you know, tested me out on camera. And, I, you know, and I certainly took that opportunity and like I lost like 30 pounds for it and I worked really hard on it. And, you know, I, I certainly rose to the challenge, but without these kind of guys in positions of power who are saying, who are championing young talent, you know, it, it, it wouldn't happen because everything's so formulaic now. When, uh, I'm sure a lot of people know, but, but you, you write uh, ferns. You write between two ferns with Zach. Yeah, and, and I've directed the past 10 or 12 or something. How, uh, how I, I so would love to, did you actually pitch the joke when Zach says to Obama, what's it like to be the last black president? <laughs> There was such an amazing yeah uh, that 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 got through and that Obama that he was seemed that he was cool with it and like yeah how, what was the process of that one was um, that one was interesting because um, you know for the most part we we never tell anyone what we're going to ask them um, Zach will every once in a while feel really nervous about a joke and show it to someone right before he asks it and go, is this okay? But we try to, <laughs> that's funny to hear that considering it yeah. doesn't, it, it certainly doesn't seem that way. Yeah. Yeah. We try to minimize that. So, but the, but the Obama one, obviously because it's the white house, there's a lot more steps to go through, but we, Zach and I never thought it was going to happen. But the, the interesting part about us is we had a mentality of saying, well, if they're not going to make this the way we want to make it, we'll just walk away from it, which right. is is crazy to me that <clears throat> we would do that. But I, I really, I really didn't want it to be like. Anytime you see a president or someone who's running for higher office on a talk show, and you can tell it's really canned, and you can tell that that every joke has been thoroughly vetted. There's a laser yeah. dot on the head of the yeah. host. <laughs> right, yeah, don't veer off script. <laughs> so, so you know, I really didn't want it to be like that because if, all, if, if very suddenly we put out a Between Two Ferns episode that was like that and you could tell was scripted um, and scripted to an inch of its life, then people it wouldn't be the show and people wouldn't have liked it. So, so we... Originally, we just said, "Hey, we're just going to show up and do it, and there, and no one's going to know what we're doing." <laughs> and <laughs> they went with it for a little bit, and then they then they said, "No, we just can't do that. We can't put the president into that um, right kind of position." So we worked with his speechwriter Cody, who was great. And initially, it was very much like a couple of the jokes got met with resistance and. I was saying, you know what? I just don't know about this situation. And then Cody immediately came back and said, you know what? All day I'm kind of the person trying to protect the speeches from being interfered with, you know, and trying to champ, you know, be the guy saying, come on, let's get something real out there. That he goes, I don't want to mess with you guys that much. So, you know, if there's anything that we just absolutely cannot do, I'll tell you. But just, you know, just let's, let's have fun with this and let's make it like a real thing. So we sent him the jokes, most of the jokes that, that we wanted to do, and with the exception of maybe one, he, he just said, yep, do them all, and which we never expected because I thought the death knell, that's why I was really pushing for, let's just go and show yeah. up and not ever tell anyone what we were doing is because I thought the minute they saw the jokes that would make this thing funny, they would put the kibosh sure. on it. They didn't. They let everything through. It was very, very interesting to the point where we couldn't believe that these things were going to come out of Zach's mouth. And I think Zach got very nervous when we were there uh, about saying these things to the president. And, <laughs> of course. Um, and because we didn't know if it ever, 
you know, if he ever saw them or not. Yeah. You know, you're you can be told at at one point we were told that he was familiar with Between Two Ferns, and then I found out afterward in a story that he told me that he had no idea what it was while he was doing it, that he had he had come home to his family and was telling them about various things he had done that day and various world leaders he had met and they were and his daughters were very bored. And then he said, And I think I did something called two ferns. And their eyes lit up and they said, You were on between two ferns? And that was the one he said that was the one time they were interested in something that he had done earlier. By the way, it's day. funny when you say like home to his family, you mean the White House. Yeah, yeah he stopped he you like walked twenty paces. <laughs> <laughs> but, but um do you yeah. remember the joke that didn't get that didn't get through? I do, but I think it would probably not be cool if I were to say it just because, um, you know, I I, I think the reason they didn't want to let it through is because they didn't want any association with that. So if I were to say it here, then someone could pick it up and go, here's the joke that was... But that's what was so interesting was watching the immediate aftermath of, like, watching it be picked apart on all the political shows. It was Mm -hmm. like... It's just a comedy. Well, that's the thing yeah. is is I don't think people were used to something that was so rough and and there was improv in it and those guys like did did improv takes the same way that you know when you were on my show you know and um, I don't think people were used to seeing something that hadn't been so thoroughly vetted within an inch of its life that they were looking for meaning in something that that wasn't <laughs> there. No, you it's know? inherently meaningless because if you see if you see. Um, you know, uh, politicians normally do comedy pieces on something like The Tonight Show. You you get a sense for what percentage is supposed to be on message and what percentage right. can be comedy. And and yeah. I thought that even after we shot it, at a certain point, someone in the White House came up to us and said, boy, that was so funny. But, you know, you're probably going to have to make the majority of it be about the Obamacare stuff. Right. And in my mind, I was going, no, we're not. <laughs> and But then I turned in the cut, and I think it's six minutes long, and I think only one minute is about Obamacare, and the first five are just, like, brutal jokes. And I was like, well, this is where it ends. Yeah, we went to the White House, and yeah, they said we could do it, and... They let us say these jokes to him, but here's where they cut everything. It was so difficult, you know, because there was a there was a period of time where I thought we were going to, um, where they were like, well, we might have Biden come on at midnight mm-hmm. and do some stuff because they want to promote the Affordable Health Care Act, mm-hmm. and you know, I I just tend to stay away from politics stuff because I just feel like it just divides people, and mm-hmm. I don't feel, you know, like I just you're a uniter. <laughs> I don't know about that, but. I just – I don't ever want that to get in the way of the rest of the comedy. It's right. like, you know uh, – But, I mean, at the same time, it's someone plugging a thing the same way the that – The same way, know. but you know how – like, so, for instance, um, John Barrowman, uh, who's a wonderful guy and a friend of mine, came on Talking Dead, and he made a joke about Sarah Palin. Mm-hmm. And people went fucking, like – Because that's the audience that watches that No, I, well, maybe, but uh, – Survivalists? Maybe, <laughs> but, but uh, also – you know, people like, if this show is going to be about politics, it was like, it was literally 10 seconds of the show. Oh, and I was yeah. like, come on, John, that's not what the show's about. And right. people were like, I am never, I can't believe. And it's like, oh, you missed everything else because you're so focused on this one dumb thing. Was it worth right. it? You was know, it is, it, it? is it worth also, it? Also, when people go, I am never watching your show again, it's like, you're just hurting yourself. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you're presumably you're watching it because you enjoy it, right? So you're going to not 
enjoy but, that thing you enjoy anymore? All right. Well, I was only that. watching it out of a sense of obligation to you. Yes. But you're right. But in, in, the, in the way that the Affordable Health Care Act is the same, or like in this sense, with Biden coming on, be the same as someone plugging a movie. That's like it's basically how... their thing, plugging a thing. But I was so adamant about, and using Ferns as an example and saying, you know, I hope that if we're going to do it, it's like what you said, where I was like, if we can't the do it right, first. if we can't do it right, then we shouldn't do it. Yeah, because I don't want it to just be a commercial for the Affordable Health Care Act. Like yeah, it has exactly. to be the you, way the that comedy it, has to be first, and that's and doing comedy bang bang. That's the other thing is no matter you know sometimes we'll get big big stars floated in front of us, and then they say here are the conditions, and it's always a thing. The comedy has to come first, and if you can't say. I delivered a good show, and if you have to say, well, I delivered a good show in spite of all the restrictions I had, that's no good. You have to right. feel confident that you delivered something good. Right. You know? Luckily, the talk show format that you have and that Ferns has and that Comedy Bang Bang has is it's there is a long tradition of people um, advertising on it yeah. uh, and, and plugging things on it. So that's why I never thought that um, the Between Two Ferns thing was really going to divide people all that much. It probably did in a way, you know, but I, I, I would imagine that um, people on the right who are fans of Between Two Ferns enjoyed it because it was, it was so just funny. It, was funny. Like, it didn't matter like because, because, again, because, again, that happened. Like, that, that was the M.O. was like, make it as funny as possible. Modus first. operandi. But, but the... Uh, <laughs> Did you go to a Jesuit school too? <laughs> no. Oh, uh, I just Latin. read comic books where okay, they would yeah. there would be a star next to that, and then you oh, look down at the operandi. caption down at the bottom and go okay. modus operandi. But, Interesting. But, you know the one the one thing that I that I am kind of jealous about sometimes between just on a creative side between ah, the venial sin of jealousy. <laughs> so you're breaking the tenth commandment. So is you did what go you're to saying. Jesuit school. Uh, between uh, between your show or between 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 two ferns <laughs> is that uh, you guys are basically playing characters, yeah. And so you, it's you can Zach in particular can get away with anything playing the character that character right. because it's not really him on the yeah. you know what he's, I mean. He's so sweet, and it's very hard for him to say mean things sometimes. Yeah. I think yeah. you know and. And it's my job as the director to be there as the cheerleader, trying to get him to say the mean things and, and being the bad guy almost sometimes, you right. know, of, of he'll blame me a lot and go, sorry, he wants me to say this <laughs> or, or, or he'll go, I don't want to say this. I don't want to say this. And I'll go, Zach, come on. You have to say you have to play it. good cop, bad cop. Yeah, yeah we do that a but, little bit. But my feeling is that at this point, if you go on Ferns, you can't very well That's be how- like... What is happening? Like, yeah. did you not see the twenty other episodes we did? Like, you have to know what you're getting into. That's how I feel. Is is we? I don't think that we should be pulling punches necessarily anymore because we all have seen it works when the person lets us do what we do. I mean, we followed up the Obama one with the Brad Pitt one, mm-hmm. and people were writing to me saying, "I can't believe that that." Jennifer Aniston or that friends uh, Angelina Jolie joke got in there Um, and it's all a testament to a star letting being a fan of what we did and just saying you do what you do but it's smart for them because it takes a lot of the wind out of the sails Mm -hmm. like if they can that lets them own yeah. The stuff that they know that people are talking about. Yeah, but you know as well as anybody that the it's a lot of times it's, it's the, the publicist publicists. that you have to get yes. through. Publicists will you know come, oh you can't and then you get the person in front of you like is it okay and they're like yeah of course yeah, yeah. and a lot of times they didn't even see whatever but it was then, you wanted to do originally. But then the publicist follows up and says. 
take it out, and then you find out that it really is the, <laughs> the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just um, trying to be nice. Yeah. I mean, we've been really lucky with Between Two Ferns of the people who come on it are super nice. I know Zach mentioned in an interview, um, you know, we if there's anything like... St- super super mean we'll we'll try to clear it with him and we always have said if there's anything we've talked about that you want us to cut let us know mm-hmm. because we you know we're not interested in being like mean people and zach talking in an interview about how jennifer aniston asked um us not to bring out the brad pitt impersonator that we had right. in the other room and and you know with good reason and we totally understood yeah because he said that she wasn't it wasn't that she was being a jerk about it no, she was it, just like it just stirs it just up so much shit elongates for me. Yeah. the story. Yeah, you know, it just makes now all you know suddenly it's it's a story on the news, and now I have another you know month of having to answer questions about it, and can't it just die? And you know, yeah. we totally we totally understand that kind of stuff. So, you know, we've been very lucky to have people on that show who, um, for the most part, have been supportive of us playing around with the you know the the sort of scandals they've had in their career. You know, Justin Bieber was very cool. As the minute we heard Justin Bieber wanted to do one, we said, Zach and I knew what we wanted to do, which was to literally spank him for <laughs> for all of his behavior. And he was very cool about just letting it happen and then letting it, you know, come out. So on Comedy Bang Bang, it's not like that at all. So, you know, when people ask me i've had a couple of people who've been on it be a little wary because of my background with between two ferns about what we're going to talk about and say hey we're not going to get into my personal life or we're not going to get into that scandal i had and i say i'm not interested i don't care um comedy bang bang is not about that it's about making the guest feel like they were really funny and if they're not a comedian showing the world that they are really funny you know and showing a different side of these people and and having people watch something and go, wow, I really changed my mind about so-and-so. I sure. never thought they were funny, but wow, they were really funny on that show, you know? I had a, bl- I had a blast on the show. I thought it was really fun. Yeah. And it was actually, you know, once we once we got down to shooting, it was actually pretty, it was pretty easy. Yeah, it just, it, it's a big time, I don't think a lot of people realize the time commitment that someone like you has to put in on the show. I mean, when you do a, uh, a late night show, you're there, you probably get there an hour early and you do the show and you're whisked yeah. right out. Um normally the couch guest on the show is there five hours, six mm-hmm. hours, something like that, which you wouldn't guess from watching the show, but there's so much we have to film with those people and a lot that gets cut out. And, um, it just is a lot to ask of people. So I'm, I'm always very grateful when someone comes on and just gives us a lot of time. Like I, I was saying, um, we were doing commentary for the DVD. I was saying, um, Amber Tamblin, for instance, you know, I think was there probably eight hours. And then as she was wrapped, we said, you know, there's one other dumb thing that you could do if you were interested where we're like improvising Thanksgiving carols in front of a green screen. (laughs) And she was like, yep, great, whatever you need, you know, and you really see some people who are like professional actors, Right. You know, who are like, oh, yeah, this is what the job is. The job is, I'm used to 12-hour days. I'm used to showing up and fitting in wherever someone needs me and doing the job, you know. And I, I always love that about certain guests as opposed to other guests who may 
be more of on a star trip of like, you know, I'm not used to doing something like that where I'm here longer than an hour. I just want to zip in. Well, I think if, if the mentality is like, well, you're doing a, you're doing like a scripted show. Yeah. That's the as pro- opposed to, it's not just a, it's not a couch show. Yeah. You know? That's the problem with our show is it's run like a talk show and it appears to be a talk show, but it is a sketch show. But at the same time, people can kind of plug their projects on it. That's right. but it's, so it's very confusing to people because people go, why am I doing this interview show and I'm there for five hours? I just don't get it. <laughs> and hopefully when they see it, I mean, I was talking to uh, like Dane Cook about it um, when he was on my podcast. And he was like, I was very confused the whole time. I didn't know how you were going to put it together. Uh, I just showed up. I did what you asked me to do. And then, you know, you watch it and it all makes sense. Was he nice know? to you? Yeah, he was great. Oh, nice. Yeah, he was. He, we there's a uh, I had him on the podcast after he was on the TV show because he, w- there's a lot, as you know, there's a lot of like sort of downtime in between takes, and he was telling me so many interesting stories about his career. I was kind of like, oh wow, I, I would love for people to hear these on the podcast. So I had I had him on in w- one of my rare like more serious interviews sure. because I thought what he had to say was really interesting, and you know, I mean. He seemed cool to me. Yeah, that's cool. He's yeah. having a lot of good experience. Like the last couple experiences with him were not great. And Where, so, did he do the podcast or something? No, or? he's never done the podcast. I just just uh, personally, just oh, yeah, over the years, like being at a show and then he just goes way over. Yeah, and he's shitty about it. And like, not even in a like, if I were going to go over a bunch, I mm. would say the other. Why would co- you do that? Well, I wouldn't. But if I were going to, <laughs> uh, so you think it's okay to go over a bunch? As long as you, you know, say I something, think you're twisting. <laughs> I think you're twisting my words. Um, I think uh, it, you would be apologetic. I, I well, yeah. First of all, I just wouldn't do. I would not go an hour over time. Yeah. You know, and and certainly not act like. Yeah, this is how it fucking is. Like, yeah. I certainly wouldn't be a dick about it. And I, I mean, just I feel sh- like. As a guy who produced a show for a long time, I've seen so many variations of that that <laughs> I'm, I'm maybe more. Yeah, used I mean, to it. I just you know my 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 issues with him were never like you know uh, whatever the content of his material was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I when I first in the late '90s, like early 2000s, I really liked his. Sta- I used to I used to go see him at the Laugh Factory because mm-hmm. I was friends with Saget, and Saget would go there, and I was like, oh, this guy's really funny. He had a lot of really great, interesting mm-hmm. bits, and then. You know, but then over the years, I don't know. I just kind of felt like I had a few experiences where he just wasn't that nice, and I'm yeah. like, he just kind of got like a little rock star attitude, and it's like, you don't, I don't, and so that that's kind of what turned me on that, and maybe that's my fault for holding on to it. But I, don't know. Uh, I mean, you know, certainly anyone is is normal for having a bad experience with someone and holding on to it. I mean, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. I I I can only say I can only speak to my experience with him. I, I did for a little while, you know, how how he was sort of in our com- community of the alternative comedy scene, sort of like a go-to punchline right. of of like, oh, here's a hacky stand-up or whatever. And at a certain point, I was like, you know, I don't even know his stand-up. Right. Like, I've never... I, I'm not a guy who's really seen any of it. Why, you know, why do I even... Why am I being influenced by people who say this? Um, I've never really seen it. I don't care uh about this this has no effect on my life so i just was like as far as i'm concerned he's fine by me and then then when they asked if he could do the show i just said yeah i don't care (laughs) of course anyone who wants to do the show and is willing to spend the five or six hours to do it is fine by me and then when he showed up to do it he's very very professional and i mean added a lot of stuff so as far as i'm concerned he's fine by me Um, i'm very swayed by nice like if someone's nice, then I'm mm-hmm. all on board, you know. And yeah. if someone's not nice, and it's like, hey, you know what? 
Yeah. I fuck you. I don't need you. Look, we've yeah, we've all had our comedy yeah. feuds with people over the years. <laughs> it's not that really a go feud. In and and it's out. certainly very one sided. I don't. I yeah. think if I, I think if I were to sit him down and go, you know, and then the last time I was laugh factory, he'd be like, "What are you talking about?" You know. Well, so he, like, you know, he very well may say, "Yeah, that was shitty," and sorry as well. And if he did, that know? would be fine, and I would be like, "Okay, great, everything's fine." Yeah. Like I'm so best friends. No, but I'm like a dog in the sense that you know, like if so, the the second someone's like nice, I'll be like, "Oh, yeah. hey, great, let's play." You know, he. I mean, who knows? I mean, I don't know that much about him. And I'm glad it's not. It's cool. It's cool that you had a good experience with him. That's yeah. Nice. You had a good experience I with for him. the most part, I've had pretty good experience. Can you speak for him? Is Dane Cook in there? Can we talk to Dane? <laughs> Are you Dane Cook? <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh. I'm trying to physically do him, and I realize I haven't seen enough as a stand-up to actually know so how to do it. All you did was okay. <laughs> but hey, I bought it. Yeah. I Dane feel like... Cook's next special is called Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh... But so are you guys? Uh, you're working on Mr. Show stuff now. Supposedly, I mean, I don't know what that is. Uh, I just I, saw a picture in a room full. Yeah, of Yeah, I don't. I I can't really say exactly what it is because I I personally don't even know what it was. But um, we we've gotten together a few times and are working on something. But I I literally don't know what it is at this point. Do you think it's? Uh, and how are those meetings? It's fun, you know. I mean, I was I, I went with. Um, I didn't go with Paul F. Tompkins, but I certainly. Um, was in the same room with him, and then we left at the same time and so you talked, were together. About, talked about it a little. So you're more. dating Paul, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it's interesting with how we all sort of fell into the exact same roles that we did, <laughs> but at the same time, how none of it really mattered. Maybe because it was only you know a couple of chance meetings, but um, Paul certainly you know was kind of like wow, and I don't want to speak for him necessarily, um, but he was saying that he had a more pleasant experience than he did when he was actually working on the show, you know, because I think at a certain point you don't really give a shit anymore right. you know, about your status in this group. You well, know? and also everyone's, you know, that's what's sort of interesting about it is that everyone has established themselves. Like everyone yeah. has like a real. Yeah. You don't need it. When I, when I was working on it, it was like, man, I got to make my mark here on this show because this is how I'm going to be known. Like I, I, I felt very lucky to be on a show that I consider to be the best comedy show out there. And, and one that I thought would be held up in the sort of lineage of, you know, Monty Python and stuff like that. So I, I, I felt very lucky to be there, but I was constantly like, man, I really got to, I got to make sure I'm hitting it and I got to make sure that I'm important to these guys. And I got to make sure that I'm the go-to guy when it comes to jokes and the go-to guy when it comes to being in the editing room and, you know, and constantly seeing how they were treating me and and seeing how they were treating other people and where do I rank? And, um, you know, it was, in a way, it was just a job and it ended, you know, way earlier than it should have. But I moved on to other jobs, you know, so it's... But of all, of all the shows that could potentially, like, if there were a Mr. Show special or if there mm-hmm. were more Mr. Show, I wouldn't worry about it, like... Oh, what are they trying to recapture? Because it really was just a group of really funny people doing really... So it's not like, oh, are they going to rely on doing those old characters? It's like, well, their characters were sort of like Bob and David. And they didn't repeat... There was not of, a lot of repetitive like stuff. The most like Ronnie repeated. Dobbs, maybe. The most Ronnie repeated character was probably Pit Pat. Was probably the most repeated. Yeah. I love you. I think three times one minus one was in three different seasons out of the four, right. and and only barely in, in those last two. So, but um, I mean, I guess you always kind of worry about, oh man, have we all has our point of view all aged to the point where 
you know, the stuff that we're talking about isn't interesting anymore, you know, I guess because Mr. Show, it's not just a dumb show like Comedy Bang Bang where we're doing silly stuff. It, it, it always kind of had a point of view right. that, that felt very dangerous and felt very, um, even when they were doing offensive stuff, felt like they were trying to say something. So I think that's, for me, that's something that I want to make sure if there does end up being a reunion that actually comes out, that it it retains that kind of edge and says something about the world, you know? And so... That's the that's the fear, I think, you know. But those guys are still just like a couple of bitter old fucks, anyway. So <laughs> it's like, you know, I don't I don't think they're gonna get less cranky. So. Same as it used to be. <laughs> um, so I th- I think it'll be cool if it comes out. Yeah, I think it'll be. I think it'll be interesting. Hopefully, you never know. So, how many episodes are you doing? Are you doing like forty episodes of Bang Bang? We're in the middle now? of a forty-episode season. They just started airing, wow. and um, we're in the middle of shooting them. I can tell you exactly where I am in every stage. We are halfway through shooting them. We are a quarter of the way through editing them, and we're three quarters of the way through writing them. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah. So I start. I start shooting again in February, and and go through May. And then if we go into season five, then, you know, that'll start at the end and of the is year. Is Nick Weiger working on your show now? Weiger's there, yeah. He's mm-hmm. fucking great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he worked on At Midnight for a little while when mm-hmm. he was on we break. Nick and he's a, yeah. Nick's, Nick's a solid comedy guy. He yeah, is, yeah. He is the most amazing, uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it, his, uh, his, his thing about parody videos, working at Funny or Die. Is yes, so, is it the Jar? Yeah. It's the, the Jar Jar one. Yeah, 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 yeah it's if people the, yeah. like yeah, if, Gungan style. If people like my show, um, one of the most discussed sketches that we did, um, and was I think mentioned on some list of the best sketches of 2014, was the man cave uh, sketch, and he wrote that. So look it up. It's uh, definitely one of the ones that people say is one of the best things we did last year. Are you uh, are you good with are you are you kind of control freaky? Or do you, are you able to... I'm just regular freaky. <laughs> what do you want to get up to? I get off a 22 positions in a one-night stand. I mean, just because you have so many... You control so many... You, it's your point of view that you're... The, the show is your point of view, ultimately. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it's been very difficult this season, too. I was telling Matt before you got here... Um, to not be in the writer's room all day, um, which is new for this season, mainly because we've been shooting while they've been writing. Um, but, you know, my various other things have, have taken me away from it and editing also. You know, I'm very involved in the editing. So um, it, it's you just kind of have to give it up at a certain point and go, you know what? These guys are really talented. Um, our head writer, Neil Campbell, is is a good leader and um, super talented and will get what we need out of them. And... At the end of it, I will then put my polish on it to make sure that it is what I want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then no show gets you know on the air without me vigorously editing, you know, working with the editors rather. I'm not actually, I don't know how to work an avid, but, um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, yeah, it, I am control freaky in that sense of, uh, I'll give you an example in the second season, um, an episode went online before it aired and um, the shape of a bullet effect was not what I wanted it to be. And they had never 
shown me the special effect and I flipped out and I called up um, the network and I said, no one ever showed me this effect. It's not what I want it to be. I want you to pull the episode. Oh, shit. And um, we need to redo this. And it was a big problem. And um, they had to go all the way up to the head of like AMC Networks or something. And it was a big, big deal. And it cost, I think, $20,000 to to fix and that made them institute a policy where now they can never air an episode without literally me watching it and giving it the the final final version and giving it an okay because they never want to be in that position again where i am the person and by the way my my strategy for that kind of stuff is when i'm told no to something is to schedule another call to discuss it further <laughs> um, it is such a good strategy because people eventually want to not be on the phone with me. <laughs> so you just badger them until you get what you yeah. want. I, listen, if, you re- if it works, it's, it's great. It's, it's literally you have to go. They go, we just cannot do something like this. And I go, okay, well, let's think about this and let's set another call for tomorrow because I think <laughs> that we we really I, let's attack this from some other angles. Let's think about it tonight. How do be, you know you're right? Um, because because I am right. I okay. don't know. It's my point of view. I wanted to make sure that it was right. Yeah. So I mean. I'm a control freak in that way, um, but at the same time, doing so many things, as you know, you just got to, like, let it go, as they said in Frozen, once or twice, and, and you oh, know, I'm not let familiar. It no, oh, you don't know? Let mm. me sing it. Fractals! <laughs> That's the only word I know from that. Frickety fractals! Are you, uh, uh, and how are you, de- so is Reg- Reggie's leaving the show. Reggie's already. leaving, yeah. And how are you dealing with that? Um, a lot of jerking it, Killing crying. Them. Yep. Um, Yep. No, he. You know, it's it's a bummer because, um, yeah. If people don't know Reggie Watts is the the band leader, my one man band leader on Comedy Bang Bang, and um, has been since the pilot. And um, it, in a way, it's a bummer because I really originally wanted the show kind of almost to be like trapped in amber, um, and and not be the same. If I could not age, that would be even better. But. Um, I just wanted to never change the set, never change the people involved and um, to where you could see an episode from today and then see an episode from season one and go, Oh, I wonder what season these were from. Right. Um, but the longer shows go on, the more people have to leave and the more things have to change. And, you know, it happens to every single show. I mean, um, Coach died, and they didn't stop doing cheers. And Thank goodness, <laughs> Frazier came in. Now, I, for a second, I thought you were going to be like, "Coach died," and they kept doing Coach. Like, right? No. They... <laughs> oh man, that would have been great if Woody Harrelson had come in and replaced Coach on Coach. Replaced Coach on Coach. <laughs> oh man. Hey guys, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Chevy Chase left SNL, and thank goodness they didn't stop it then. And and Chevy Chase left Community, and thank goodness they didn't stop it then. And Chevy Chase left a lot of things, and, and they. And, Kept the going. one thing he has that left is the vacation franchise. Right. <laughs> Tune in this summer. <laughs> but but I I really it, it's kind of a bummer. But the more I got the sense of oh wow this show is going to go on for a while, um, you know when he got this opportunity to do this other thing, you know I could sit there and claw at him and go you know what let's just end the show after the fourth season and work double duty on your show and come in and, and we'll try to shoot you out as fast as we possibly can just so the show doesn't change. Um, 
Or I could go, you know what? That's only going to work for like a week. We better make a change. Right. <laughs> you know, and 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 I think, uh, you know, I, I can't talk about who's coming in, but I think it's really exciting. And I Is think it Prince? It's Prince. Oh, okay, good. That's 22 positions in a one-night stand. Prince, um, you have so many other songs. Why do you play that one every... T- because 22 <laughs> positions in a one-night... I think people are going to be really happy with it, and I think it's going to open the show up to a lot of people who have never watched it before. And I think you know the the network's really excited by it, and I think you know it's going to help us do more seasons. And you know, I th- I think so. The show is going to change. I'm looking at maybe changing the set a little bit too. And you know, I mean, it just that's the price of doing a long running show. And I kind of I kind of say, oh wow, if okay, if Reggie can leave and we can replace Reggie, well, I could leave and and we could replace me, you know, because it, I I kind of view Comedy Bang Bang as Saturday Night Live in a way of the format is really unique and really interesting. And, and Lorne Michaels hit on that really interesting format of cold open, person saying live from New York at Saturday night, monologue, commercial parody, sketches, weekend update band, you know. Um, I think our show is very similar in the sense of another person could take over it, and um, like Mike Nelson could come in. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then I do this in the future. <laughs> well, that's how I felt about Reggie when I first, you know, heard that Reggie was going to go do this other thing. I was like, oh, I don't want to be like Mystery Science Theater, where someone else comes in for a brief amount of time and doesn't have the opportunity to really, you know, say, hey, these are the Mike Nelson years, you know. Right. I think he was only there one season, maybe. Is that yeah, right? Mike, or Mike, no, oh, Mike he was there four season, and he did the movie. Yeah. And he oh, did okay. The, yeah. In my okay, uh, you know, and I'm not a super fan of that show, so obviously I'm speaking from a position of ignorance, which I apologize for. But it, it that was my impression of it. Well, they did make a network change, so that's probably right. Better. That maybe yeah. that was it when I was watching it at the time. My impression of it when it happened was. Oh, the guy behind that show is gone, and then it kind of fizzled—not fizzled out because obviously he was really good at it. But in any case, I didn't want that to be what happened with right. Reggie, um, where you know we had twenty episodes left in the season, and we got someone new, and then it was gone, and now everyone's going, "Well, I wish they hadn't made those twenty episodes." Right? You know, no, I mean the show's the John gonna... Lovett's ears of news radio. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but the show's. This is going to help ensure the show continuing longer, actually. And I think people are going to be stoked when they see what it is. Let me tell you a little story about a show called Singled Out, Scott. (laughs) Yeah, it's the same thing, right? Now, I was just an intern on the show, but Jenny McCarthy really was the soul of that show. (laughs) And when she left, it was like, how is the show going to survive? So then we got Carmen Electra. And you know what happened, Scott? We only lasted another season. But it doesn't matter. It still doesn't matter. Because... The you got that money for that is, year. And I didn't really get paid that much. But the important thing, I think I got college mm. credit. The important Ugly. thing <laughs> was yeah. that change is bad. Wait, yeah. no, that's not what I was. Mm. Oh. No, I think people, you know, there's something about when, you know, yeah, if, if one of the friends left, you probably, I don't know if they could have done friends. If one of the friends had died or, you know, I don't know. Yeah. But, but I, I don't feel our show is that way. I really don't. I feel like there's so many talented people that pass through comedy bang bang and it's it's to me it's about the 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 writing and it's about the um the guy the comedians who come through and do really funny characters that it's more than just one person. It's it's to me it's like SNL where it's it's a format and it's a place for really funny people to come hang out and do a bunch of stuff. So I think it'll I think it'll last, you know, a long time. And and then beyond this, do you want to 
do you want to do film or do you want to produce other television or what do you want to do? Yeah, I mean, I like, you know, uh, I have my production company and we have a lot of scripts that we've sold and, you know, we're trying to get made right now. So I'm definitely interested in that. I, I would, you know, I wrote a lot of, of, of screenplays over the years and very few ever got made. So I would love to either write or write and direct a film at some point. Um, it's really super hard to do anything. Like I said, I have a book that I want to write that is that I've had a deal for like three years now that nothing is happening just because this TV show is taking up and right. the podcast is taking up all the time. But yeah, I'd, I mean, you know, who knows, you know, well, you got time. Really? Mm-hmm. You think so? Mm-hmm. I feel like death is coming. I know. Rapidly. It feels that way. I know. I know. I know. It feels that way. <laughs> I, I feel that way. I feel that way sometimes too, but then I just sort of, you know, I think actually it's helpful to befriend a much older person because it totally makes you, you feel like... trying to become my friend? I'm not older than you, Arska. <laughs> I mean, like, befriend... That's why I keep both you guys around. <laughs> you uh, old farts. Who did you befriend? <laughs> Who's your old friend? I want him. Uh, no, I, he's, my, he's my old friend. There's one old guy. I want him. No. But, uh, but yeah, know. but I mean, I, I know what you mean. Bob Odenkirk used to like give me a lot of perspective about a lot of different stuff that happened to him because he's eight years older or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, a, like um, I, just, Rob Zombie had a birthday party the night. He turned mm-hmm. 50. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and my perception of what a 50 year old man is, he is not that. Yeah. <laughs> and so it makes me, and he's still doing, like, he's about to start another movie. And he's, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. so I don't, it just makes me feel like, oh, okay. It's not at a certain point they don't just yank the plug and go, get the fuck out. You know, yeah, like, yeah. as long as you can, I think in a lot, in, in most cases, I think people just get tired or they give up or they don't want to do it anymore. They don't want the grind anymore. Or, and, or they have to cut back because of family. I mean, that's something. That'll, I see a lot, Ugh. you know. <laughs> That's right. High fiving over these microphones. <laughs> Our dicks don't work. Boo. Our dicks don't work. There's enough kids in the world. <laughs> no, I, I. Yeah, I think that's the challenge in a career is is how do you remain viable and you you constantly have to keep reinventing yourself. I I kind of considered after I did Mr. Show, I was like, wow, I did it. I made my mark. Um, and then very quickly, three years later, people are like, oh yeah, that show was good, right? You know, people <laughs> forget about it and you have to keep being, you know, coming up with new shit, you know? So it's, it's hopefully, and that's what, you know, Rob Zombie did, you know, he was a, uh, a recording artist for a while with a dynamite musical combination <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, he, he'd start directing movies and who knows, you know, that guy's really talented. Why and, do you do it? Is it just for the comedy? Like, is it just to put comedy in the world? Or, like, what do you... Do you know why? Do you know why I you do- fucking love comedy. <laughs> I mean, you know... We've known each other a long time. Why did I do that UCB show for 10 years? You know? Because it was a great thing for comedy. <laughs> I wasn't performing in it, right? No, no, not... N- almost never. Almost I think never. I only saw you get on stage, like, maybe twice. Early on, I really was. And then I got too busy. And so I was just putting it together. And, like, why? I just love com why did i do the podcast network i love comedy right no one thought it was going to be successful you know my my business managers actively discouraged me from putting money into it um my wife even was like i don't think this is a good idea <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like i just love comedy i'm i'm really i loved it ever since i was a kid and i i can't believe i get to actually work in it and the people i get to meet um like chris hardwick and matt myra yeah and, it's pretty amazing you know it's crazy i just i just love it i don't know well i'm glad i mean i'm glad that you're still and to be able to do in in the world of television 
getting a forty week run on a show is a, is unheard of now, unless yeah. you're you know you like, or me. Unless you're you. <laughs> These two assholes. <laughs> hey, Matt, you should get one. Yeah, They're fine. pretty easy now that I think about I'm it. Just hey, I'm just effects. giving them out now. Hey. <laughs> Guys, well, thanks, I'm going to go. I'm going to get a t-shirt. Oh, yeah, we're gonna 40 weeks. So, uh, Thank you. That's that's nice of you to say. Yeah, well, listen. Um, uh, you're always welcome. I feel on, like we're winding down. We are winding down. We're at an hour <laughs> eight. I, now, 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 my head is starting to go into like I, right, we have rehearsal. And I, <laughs> we're winding into dress rehearsal. We're winding into dress rehearsal in twelve minutes, but uh, but uh, but you're always great on at midnight. Thank you. And, Thanks for uh, having me on. It's been really great to have strangers on the internet uh, <laughs> blast me for something I said on the show. <laughs> Does that happen? <laughs> that I didn't even write. <laughs> oh, <God damn> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry yeah, I love about it. that. No, it's fine. Motherfuckers. You take the good, etc. You take the bad. You take them both, and there you have. I don't know Twitter. That's facts song. of life. Nope, nope. Yep. The facts of life. Nope, nope. You take them good, take them bad, take them both, and there you got twenty two positions in a one night stand. Let a woman be a woman and a man. Oh, Victoria, I don't eat ribs. Who is Victoria? I don't know. I loved it though. Yeah, I don't eat ribs. I just, I just picture a sad woman with a plate of ribs. Like, come on, Prince. Working on these, Prince. I made them in the shape of your squiggle, Prince. Prince. You know how hard it is to bend a rib? <laughs> you have to boil them and soften them up. I know. I've, I'm sure I've told this story before, but when Carmen Electra did take over from on Singled Out, and uh, is the first thing you said to her is like, "What's Prince's dick like?" I, well, not what's Prince's dick like, but I said, "I said, what's it like to date Prince?" I mean, are you? I think I said, uh, "Is it is it normal?" Are you like, "Hey, Prince, I got to run to the store. Do you want some Lucky Charms or whatever?" <laughs> and uh, she said, "No, you're not allowed to address him first. He has to talk to you first. I'm like, well, you were his girlfriend. She was like, well, that's just how it was. And so that was interesting. A, yeah, I don't know if he's still that way, but that's... I hear a brand new rule. I'm taking back to the house tonight. <laughs> <laughs> It'll totally fly. <laughs> no, no, cool up. I address you first. <laughs> <laughs> see how that? See how long that lasts? Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, interesting. What the? I, so clearly, the 23 positions in a one night stand were all his suggestions. <laughs> yeah. So there could be 46 <laughs> positions in a one night stand. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows what could have happened? Yep. The alternate universe Does, which she was allowed to suggest. <laughs> no. There have been 69 positions. Who doesn't knows? even. I mean, that could mean a lot of things. Uh, but more importantly... Uh, Isn't that interesting? 23 positions is like one-third of 69. Yeah. That is, is that it. What, I never you know, thought of that like, before. Why is he saying one-third of 69? One-third of 69 in a one-night stand. I don't know. That's I don't interesting. know. What would one... That's the one question I would ask Prince if I were to be able to ask him anything. What is one-third of 69? Is that where you're just stroking each other? <laughs> I, I don't know. Where like a third of your body is in the 69 position? So you're, like your, half, your arm is on their there. leg? You're a third of the way there. Right. We're like, know. okay. And then when you get a third of the way there, you're like, all right, this is what a one-night stand is. I don't yeah. know. I feel like there's a lot of there's misleading just, very interesting. information. We get him on the podcast. We're going to get him on the podcast and ask him about that. I'm sure God, no that one's would be asked amazing, him about that Chris, before. If Prince were on the podcast. Yes, I know. That <laughs> <laughs> It would be amazing. It would be it would be cool if he was on yours, but it would be even weirder if he was on mine and he was sitting there talking to characters. That would be nuts. I would, he'd probably be more comfortable in that environment than if we were talking to him just as himself. Maybe, I don't but, know. But Blaine Capatch, when he um, when he was in the Golden Globes the other night, we were watching the footage <laughs> in the morning meeting. Blaine Capatch, who is basically the so highest funny. velocity joke machine you've yeah. ever met in your life. 
but Prince had a giant cane. Right. Or he had a cane, and then uh, it was giant. You can say it's giant. Well, but Blaine, but so he had this cane that he walked out with, and Blaine goes, "That's actually a pen. He's very small." And then so, <laughs> God, watching Blaine. Prince and imagine that he was holding like a sewing needle, it, but I fucking laughed so hard. Oh, Blaine is so funny. <laughs> and then he had to go fight a wasp afterwards. <laughs> after the That's golden. That's a really Globes. funny impression of Blaine too. Yeah, Blaine. Blaine. Like, it's Blaine. Blaine. Patch. Hey! No references after '94. Hey! Kirstie Alley. I think I'm Kirstie very Alley, sure. Very Kirstie Alley jokes. My, uh, the joke that uh, I did on the last at midnight of the uh, 250 reasons Kirstie Alley should eat a salad. <laughs> uh, even if you tried to give him a current reference, he would put it in. He'd be like Cagney and Spacey. Like yeah. he's still. Like that's not meaning anything to me. Yeah. Here's exactly. what makes sense to my brain. But uh, but amazing. But anyway, it's good to see you, Scott Ackerman. Thank you. And uh, enjoy your burrito, on. everyone. One, two, three, positions and a burrito stand. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito.